This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to the Kim Hill Collection. It's easy to forget that Lord was just 16 years old when her debut album dropped back in 2013. And given how big of a hit it was... It brought a lot of pressure down on her shoulders, her 21-year-old shoulders, ahead of the release of her sophomore album, Melodrama. This chat was recorded just a month before that album was released. It's funny, it's profound, and it's a quite probing analysis of young fame, uh, inspiration and where it comes from, and focus and expectation. Hope you enjoy it. Wunderkind, Ella Yelich O'Connor, a.k.a. Lord. Her first album, Pure Heroine, made her a star at 16. At 17, she was on the cover of Rolling Stone, which called her the unlikeliest superstar in pop. Two Grammys, she's 20 now. Her new album, Melodrama, is due out on June the 16th. Lord and I had a date to chat the other day. She was late. Rockstar behaviour now. How late am I? You're 20 minutes late. Am I 20 minutes late? Yeah. They're giving me a head shake. They're saying they beg to differ in there. They were agreed to have you there at one o'clock and then it was one brought o'clock. back to quarter... Yeah, one o'clock. And then it was brought back to quarter past 12. And I've been waiting since quarter past 12. Well, I'm very sorry about that, Kim. No, I, it's I, rockstar behaviour that world, I would not have actually perfectly on time. Huh? I, well, I apologise. I'll take it on the chin, even though I don't think it is my mistake. <laughs> I thought you might come up with a really good excuse. Well, I was uh, I was having a sleep, uh, covered in a coat, uh, and then I was in the car drinking Red Bull, and uh, now here we are. How are you? You were having a sleep under a coat, and then you were in a car drinking a Red Bull. That mm-hmm. sounds like the lyrics to a new song. <laughs> it's not so fun to listen to, is it, though, would it? It's not, a, not the best imagery. I read a really good article in the New York Times about you. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, apart from anything else, it um, mentions your affection for a diner called The Flame in New York. Yeah. And I'm thinking they'll be pretty busy now. I, I think you might have put them on the map. I huh? don't know if they would even really be aware of what was going on. They're very much not um, that sort of place. It's not really, it's it's an amazing diner. It's like, I've never been anywhere like it. It's like a weird little magic paradox or something. What food do they serve? They do all the diner kind of usuals, all the classics. They'll do a variety of egg dishes. They'll do sort of breaded Chicken fingers, zucchini sticks. Um, chicken they do fingers. a little side of coleslaw. Who knew ch- chicken fingers? Mm, yeah, like fish fingers. Any chicken? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm so out of the loop. Nice for uh, the middle of the night. Good pancakes. Oh well, of course it's 24 hour open. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. Well, I'm still thinking you won't be able to go there undiscovered now. People will flock no, there I looking have, for you. I might have blown up my spot. You might have blown I think it, yeah. that's what happened. The other thing that amused me in that New York Times article, see, I've done my research. You have. Is that you, they say, wrote songs for melodrama on a remote island called Waiheke. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was really funny. Yeah. And they obviously think New Zealand's a bit like Iceland, really. So everything about New Zealand is remote, wherever it is. Yeah, no, I I did not call Waiheke remote myself, but um, I did go to the far side, the... uh, 
Is it the man of war side? The one oh, with the far that, side. The yeah, one that's yeah. not very populated. Man, and they did have remote. a big wild and dog. And they have wild bed. dogs there, according to the article. It was a big, serious dog with no <laughs> collar. And I did send a picture um, to my mum at the time, right on my bed when I came back from a shower. I wasn't expecting it. Are you synesthetic? Synesthetic. <laughs> do you have synesthesia? I do. And it's a funny thing to talk about and not really something that I. I sort of had it, I mean, I talked about it in that interview to sort of help describe um, something about the work and now everybody's asking me about it and I sort of feel... Yeah. Sorry. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's a, just a funny thing to talk about because if I didn't have it, I um, I wouldn't believe in it, you know? It doesn't sound... It sounds so fanciful, but yeah. it is real. <laughs> so when you listen to any song, you think of a colour or is it notes that make you think of a colour or chords? Um, it's sort of, it's how they correspond with each other. So a certain, um, a certain interval, uh, in a melody will, um, sort of present itself in a certain way visually and, um, certain lines of melody kind of present as different colors, but it's really not, um, it's not as sort of separate as I think people think it is. It's, it's almost like, for me, it's sort of these, um, I almost see it as like clouds of color. They sort of hang in the air, in the way a gas would, if it was, um, if it could be visualized, you know, and 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 they move, and there are, um, you know, breaks in it, and it may clear, and it may come back, um, but it is, it's, it's a lot of colors and a lot of textures, and it's moving all the time, and it's coming closer to you and further away. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing, really. <laughs> Even when you haven't taken the drugs. Even when you haven't taken the drugs. <laughs> Huh. And have you had that all the time ever since you can remember? I have, yeah. And it, um, I, I sort of just um, thought that it was something that everybody had. And then I um, became much more aware of it when I started making music um, and realised I could sort of use that as part of the experience of making music, you know, um, to bring a colour closer or to bring a certain... Um, Often um, with different uh, vocal things, they sort of, the texture is, um, the closest thing I can think of to describe it is like uh, like the grain on a film photograph. And those sorts of um, textures are very much things that I learned how to manipulate, you know, and bring. I want a little more grain in this moment, so I'm going to do this thing with my voice. So actually approaching the music from the visual side rather than the uh, oral side, which is a wild way of doing it I yeah, guess yeah. but um, pretty pretty fun. So Pure Heroin your first album is there an overall colour that that had um, in your mind? That one um, it does it reads quite um, verdant um, to me I guess because you know I was making it like in the summer you know there are a lot of sort of green mountains on the shore <laughs> a lot of uh, I'd go to Fort Takapuna which is like a sort of there's a there's a weird old fort there and a lot of old guns and very very grassy and verdant and I feel like that sort of became the uh, palette of the record. Whereas this this one is very much um, violets and blues. Um, there's a colour called Egyptian violet. It's very much. And it's also um, a colour that the uh, painter Sam McInnes who who painted the album cover. It's one of his favourite colours is Egyptian violet. So we really uh, bonded over uh, liking oh. the same colours. Green light. Uh made a very good impact you must be happy with that yeah I, f I feel quite good I feel like it sort of did everything I hoped it would do you know it sort of reintroduced people to what I was doing and uh, 
nice little uh, shot in the arm. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it made me think of, you're too young to remember this, Fleetwood Mac's Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Do you know oh, that I am. That's, oh, it's one of my favourites. Yeah. The, the because it's it's a what song a, what that a, goes, an amazing you comparison, know, Kim. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really sad we broke up and my heart's a bit broken, but, oh, it might be fun now. Also. Totally. That is, I never um, drew the comparison with that song. I, that's one of my favourites. Cool. Liberation. You are liberated. Although that was 2015, 2016. You, you had quite a few, you know, breakups in that year. There was um, your boyfriend mm. and there was your manager, Scott McLaughlin. Mm. And then Joel Little uh, was no longer your partner on, on Melodrama. There yeah, was a big change. That, that definitely is not... Um that's not a heartbreaker. Not a break. No, no. Right. Joel and I love each other, and we, you know, he he is involved in this record. It was just um, that one was very much a case of me needing to to go where the work needed me to go. You know what I mean? I had to um, put myself in the in the right room to be able to make it. Um, but you know, it's I'm I'm feel very lucky that Joel is on the record in, in the ways that he is, and I I know that we will keep writing music together for a long time. You and Jack Antonov. Mm did a performance on Saturday Night Live of yeah. Liability, which is, um, which is a, a, a stern song. Like it's <laughs> stern. Stern song. But what did you have? You had things on the piano. We had our things. We had, um, well, so we wrote the whole album on that exact piano that we have on the stage. We, um, we rented the exact same model and we took the front off um, the way we have it in the studio and we brought, I said to Jack, I think we should bring all of the things that surrounded us when we were making the work. So this really feels like, and that's pretty much how we wrote it. We we would sit on that chair, although we'd be side by side instead of uh, instead of facing away from each other. Um, and so we brought... Um, we brought, I mean, there are, you know, framed photographs. There are, I brought... Photographs some, of whom? Well, there's a photograph of... Uh, a musician called Robin, which has always been on Jack's piano, um, who I love. Uh, Is that a before we met, she's Swedish. A, yeah, she's a Swedish. Uh, right. She's a she's a wonderful pop musician. Um, and there's, I mean, there are plays. There are little sort of framed baseball cards that Jack had when he was a child. Um, there's a book that I love, uh, a collection called Self Help by Laurie Moore, um, which oh Laurie Moore. Oh gosh, yes. Isn't it just? Isn't she? Blows my mind. So, so does she inspire some of your lyrics? Is that what you're saying, or they were just there? Well, there was a line in Self Help that um, really spoke to me that I was reading. Um, you know, when you go through these sort of transitional phases, you look to, for me, I always look to books to try and make sense of what's going on inside my brain. And this line in this Laurie Moore story just reached out and grabbed me by the heart, and the line was, Reclaim yourself. Pieces have fluttered away. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. And, and, and so to, to go and write the song, which is very much about sort of learning to, you know, be your own best friend in a way, I feel like it made sense to me to have that collection on top of the piano on, on yeah. Saturday Night Live. Do, have you met Laurie Moore? I have not. Oh, I would. I would. Well, just she'll die. be very happy with the shout out that you give her. She's a great writer. Hi, beautiful, beautiful short stories. Incredible. Um, there's been a lot of pressure on social media for this new album, and I wondered how you coped with that. You know, it's been four years, mm. and you've been marinating it, and you've ducked down out of sight for a year or so. But still, you've got this pressure from your fans on social media. 
does that affect you in any way? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I think um, it was so present for so long. You know, there were just, there were years of people wanting it so badly that I think I was able to, um, you know, file it away. Um, but, you know, you are aware that this first thing meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, I mean, for me, I, it sounds crazy, but I, I'm just, I'm really in a room with myself when I'm making work. It's really about me being in conversation with this side of myself who knows what I am capable of. Um, and this, it's the side of myself that goes, yeah, everyone else would think that melody was fine, but you know you can beat it. You know you can push yourself. Um, you know, that, that harsh critic, but also that part of myself that it's like a parent in a way that just loves me and knows what I'm capable of. So I feel like really um, the last couple of years have been very, very solitary and very much about being in conversation with that, with that person, you know, walking around my house, singing these parts of the record in these rooms um, and, and seeing how they measured up. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, I was aware of the pressure, but I, I was also not in a way. I was just thinking about you singing Liability on Saturday Night Live. Wearing, um, <laughs> you would you describe it, Kim? Being <laughs> Miss Havisham is how I would, <laughs> cool. how I would describe into it. it. I'm into is it. Is that what you were thinking of? I, um, I, it made me think when you were talking about being solitary, I thought, whoa, Miss Havisham, there you are. <laughs> well, I, I did, um, I definitely, I said to my stylist, because I, I actually, I found both of those um, looks online that I wore on Saturday Night Live, and the first one was very much, you know, shiny and pop star. Um, and I wanted this sort of very shiny, kind of streamlined look. And then this other look, which sort of felt like the opposite. These sort of So you wore sequins for green light. Yeah, I wore And then some, you like, turned uh, into Miss Havisham for liability. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be, I was like a little attic moth. I think that's what I said to I was like, I just, uh, I love the idea of being swaddled in these sort of layers of translucent fabric and just sitting on stage, kind of, you know, my body sort of obscured like a little head. Singing these, uh, singing these songs. It was pretty sweet. Uh, liability, because I mean, I don't want to do this thing. Well, what did you mean? Do no. you really feel that way? Please. But, <laughs> but it, you know, it Grill talks me. about how difficult being famous is. <laughs> Does it? I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I'm the last person to ever uh, complain. To ever do a wow about <laughs> being famous. I think it's like it's really tiring. I just, for me, like I'm. Um, I just had to, I guess that was the framework um, for saying what I needed to say, but um, I think you can, I think I could have written that song not as a famous person would have made the same amount of sense, you know, I think only because I, because people know what I do for a living, right. like, I think. There but are I think all sorts it, of ways of being a liability. You well, mean. yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember feeling that way at high school, you know, yeah. you, you walk into a group of people and you just feel horrible and like <laughs> you're punishing everybody by being there the way you relate to the world is interesting i mean you've got the whole found images on tumblr and songs on the soundcloud and the kind of control you have over your career is is quite tight but you also create a kind of intimacy with your fans oh. i wondered whether you ever found that suffocating um, n no, I, um, I don't know if I, if I do find it suffocating. I mean, they... I mean, you know, the, you remember that line from 
where the wild things are. Don't go, we'll eat you up, we love you so. They want to <laughs> eat you up. There is an element of that. I, I, I think that um, the way in which I have sort of, um, you know, I think with when you're in this position, you can uh, choose where to put the eyeline to an extent. You know, I can choose where to direct people and I exist in this very fortunate place where I can, um, you know, play at 9pm on the main stage at Coachella, but nobody really cares what I look like walking to breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you can cultivate that if you want that, if you want people to be outside the cafe um, after you eat breakfast. But I don't, and for the most part... um, you know, the conversation around me really does exist around the work, which I, you know, have worked super hard to to build. And obviously, you know, there are exceptions to that always. But um, no, so for that reason, I do feel quite lucky, you know. And also I think because I I do share a lot with the work, I do, um, it's, it's, it's an intimate place. And so I don't think that the young people who listen to my music feel like there's something they aren't being told. You know, they're like... They're like, we probably know more than we wanted to know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's the, um, the boundaries with it feel quite good. But I do get some strange, uh, I get some strange letters in the mail. I get some strange uh, Instagram DMs. I uh, There are people with interesting fetishes who uh, like to reach out to me and tell me what they're, uh, how they're feeling about me. But uh, for the most part, um, you'd be surprised what people can have fetishes about, Kim. It's well. uh Surprise um, me then. Well, are my cheeks, for one thing, my cheeks oh, on my face. Oh, they're pretty amazing cheekbones. But no, it's I a strange that. thing to to really be into on a cheek like a very uh, yeah on a very intimate no. level. Oh, how intimate! Oh, I mean, listen. No, I'll okay. Send over some letters. No. They're very spicy. Oh, <laughs> cheekbones. Yeah. Who who knew? I imagine that the video, the music video that you did for Disclosure, um, with the magnets. Mm. Uh, would have aroused a few people. Oh, listen, maybe. <laughs> well, listen, maybe. <laughs> I braced myself for a disclosure just then, but nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, sex and violence, goodness me. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's nice to uh, to do weird collaborations every once in a while because I think you can, um, you know, you can do what you might not necessarily do in your own video. Would I have? Uh, Set a man on fire in a pool in my own music video? Maybe not, but I did enjoy it for a disclosure song. Well, tied him to a chair, pushed him into the pool, I did, and yeah. then set fire to Yes, him. tied him to a Let's chair. Let's be clear right. here. Yes, sorry, mm. sorry for the. Uh... You mentioned Coachella, um, which was a big deal for you, right? Coachella is huge. Huge, huge deal for me, especially because I hadn't played a show in two and a half years, and my first one back was that show, which is like no small bag of. I've, I've lost the metaphor. Bag stuff. of uh, potatoes. Bag of stuff. Yeah. It's a real bag of stuff, Coachella. Yeah, well, tell stuff. me about it for people who aren't familiar with Coachella. What is it? What well, goes on? It's a it's a three day festival uh, in the desert in Palm Springs. It's in two, it's over two weekends, and the, w- the way I can think to describe it is every single artist brings their absolute A game. We all, you know, we're, we're musicians. We kind of. We kind of mooch around. We sort of, you know, we'll just get up there sometimes. It's not a big deal. Every single musician is nervous before they play Coachella. Every single musician is like, this has to be the best show. Because it really is, it's how we show the whole world um, what it is we're working with. And, you know, for me, like, I, um, 
we we built this um, show that I am so proud of that like I can really say that I built the entirety of that show you know from 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 the lighting design to the choreo to the set design to the to the visuals to the costume I I I I, I, I I'm the showrunner there and it was so cool getting to play Coachella and kind of seeing it affect people you know and seeing them understand it and grab the thread that I was sort of offering out to them it was this amazing thing of like oh it really can go from like being something I can only see in the corner of my brain to being this thing that everybody can see and you know helps them get down with the music it was amazing you've got so much seems to me so much self-confidence now and your fans have got so much confidence in you that you can do whatever you want. Do you feel that liberation? I do feel very lucky that they are willing to come with me um, wherever it is I want to go and where I want to show them I've been. You know, I, I, I wasn't sure when we put out Green Light if that would still be the case or if people would have a little area that they were comfortable with me existing in and if and there you know there was going to be a, a, an element of no 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 stay there we we need you to stay there that's where we put you that's where we want you but um no it's been it's been so wonderful and i actually feel more kind of light and open and calm in in the last kind of 3 months than i have probably in my whole life because it's just the most incredibly freeing knowledge you know to to know that to an extent you know people people want to want to go with you and 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 see the world inside your brain do you ever worry that people will you know if they bought into royals you know which was a, a critique of excess really mm. Mm. do you worry that people will see you as selling out well <laughs> When you write a song when you're 15 and and you live at home with your parents and you go to school every day, and then oh, your life changes. No, that's a good art clause. You know, I think like you, your life's going to change. I mean, my life would have changed even. I'm if, not. No, I'm not suggesting that that you invested everything into that song or said what you mean or even that you need to stick to it. But there will be some people who think who loved you for that song, right? Loved you for that critique, right? And now. You know, I don't know, you're swanning around in flash cars and being really late for interviews. I am going to <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna see about that on the side because I'm <laughs> sure that I was not oh, late. Right. <laughs> They're all shaking their heads in there, okay. Kim. Let's oh, see. No, so it, well, uh, I, I no ask... I haven't even mentioned the entourage. Yes. <laughs> She's good. She's uh I do bring some people with me. I uh I I, I mean I I definitely brought like five people with me. I don't know if that's like a crazy entree. Um, talking about the age <laughs> thing, the, I didn't realise that there were a whole bunch of Lord Age truthers. Oh yes, the truthers. Was that real? Was that um, a real thing? Like... It was real, but I think it was uh, also rooted in humour. Okay, but like it was how could somebody funny. so young do this stuff? I guess I guess that's right, but also I, um, I have a very sort of like old strange face, which I don't think does me a lot of favours in the age truthing department. It is an unusual face. It's weird, huh? I wanted to um, get a small piece of goss in. Jack Antonov, <laughs> who's now your musical partner, mm. it, does he live with Lena Dunham? He does, yeah. So have you got to know Lena Dunham also? Very well, yeah. I actually knew her um, before I knew Jack. 
Oh, we were friends before Jack and I uh, uh, started making music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense. How, I mean, that you and make, she. Oh. No, no, no. That you and she should be friends. That... Oh right, yeah, yeah. She's. Uh, yeah, I, I. Um, we we made the record in their house actually. For the most part, Jack has a studio um, in one of the bedrooms in their apartment, and it was so nice to you know, spend extended periods away from New Zealand and to be in this house where, you know, Lena is the kind of person, I think she's like she's like an old, old aunt. She's always kind of pressing a book into your hands, you know, coming out with some sort of charm bracelet she's, she says is, you know, just for you. She's she's wonderful. And he's wonderful too. And they complement each other so perfectly. It was uh, It was nice to sort of be wrapped up in that. You don't think she'll mind you calling her an old, old aunt? I think she would love being called an old, old aunt. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'll stand to that. I think she'll we'll, be into it. <laughs> so, Melodrama comes out June the 16th, mm-hmm. and there'll be, you know, huge hoo-ha about it. Are you <laughs> going to go somewhere quiet while the hoo-ha goes on? Oh, no, Kim. I don't oh, get to go okay. anywhere quiet. I have, no. to go and, uh, I have to go and do all the loud things then. That's when... Uh, this, this is the quiet stuff. I have to go and... Uh, play the big shows and, and travel around a bunch. I go from America to Canada to Europe. I'm all over Europe for a second. I come home for a second. I'm in Japan. I'm, um, I'm all over the place in a very short amount of time. Um, and do you think about that with um, relish or with a certain amount of exhaustion? Um, I mean, I like to think that I, between records, spend so much time um, staying at home and being so uh, stationary that, you know, this time is good for me. Although I do, I'm, I'm sad that I, uh, I've kind of missed the summer now, haven't I? It's oh, sort of yeah, but... cold you, set in. You're in time <laughs> for the Fijos. There's still the remnants yeah. of the Fijos. Yeah, oh, i got to have a Fijo while I'm here. I love, have you not had I one yet? I love a Fijo. Well, I've only been here for 24 hours. Oh, hurry I haven't, up. I haven't passed by a Fijo. I haven't plucked a Fijo from a tree yet. <laughs> no, no, no. You won't get those in New York. No. Oh. I, I'm, do you, are they native uh, to New Zealand? Well, I think they hail from South America, actually. Oh, oh interesting. Huh. But I think we can call them native because, you know, they don't travel. They, they don't travel? <laughs> well, they don't travel. They just they travel badly. Ah, I see. They travel badly. <laughs> they, they, the and so consequently, you, you probably won't get them in New York because they'll all be mushy by the time they got there. What I have to do is freeze a bunch. That's what we do. Ah. We scoop them out and we froze them. Now you're talking. Yeah. And if you were here in person, yes, as opposed to somewhere else, and we're doing this tricky camera business... <laughs> Um, oh, I forgot I'm you. supposed to have been looking at you this whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to be looking at you. <laughs> Sorry. Have you, got a, have you got a cut-out cardboard of me there? No, no, there's none. There's none. So I think I've, I've the, the, the whole eye contact thing has really it's been shot. It's, yeah, it's but good. it's amazing what they can do. But um, yeah. I would have brought you a bottle of my Fijo chutney. Oh, man. All right. Listen, if I hadn't been late, mm-hmm. you might have sent it in the post. Yeah, but now you've been late, you don't get any. So next time we talk, we'll try and do it in the same studio. And we I'll can be half an hour gifts. early. And, uh, you can you'll give me, me too. an expensive watch and I can give you a <laughs> Yes, a that's what I like Fijo to give in gifts. I like to just <laughs> dole, dole out watches. Mm, that's Lord, And she is here. Or was here. She's still here. Probably she still is here. I hope she's having a little rest before the hoo-ha begins on the occasion of the release coming up shortly of her second album, Melodrama.